For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted, and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this prayer of Paul. We thank you that you uh, guided and directed this prayer based on everything that he has been speaking before about the, the unsearchable riches of Christ, the grace of God. And now he bows the knee, and so do we. We do come to you as your children, our Father, who art in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that you would provide those things we need from this portion of your word today and that you would equip us to be able to be more and more conformed into the image of Jesus Christ who taught his disciples to pray by example and by word. And so do that work in us, we pray, as, as we see the work you're doing in Paul, so do that work in us. We pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it has been said that theology should lead to doxology. Good theology leads to doxology. Worship, uh, prayer in worship. Good theology should cause us to get on our knees and worship God and pray to God. What we've been seeing in our text throughout chapters 1, 2, and 3 has been great theology. So consider chapter 1, the blessings of redemption in Christ. That blessing goes all the way back to eternity. Again, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ, can those blessings be taken away if they're in heaven? No, they're in heaven. Just as he chose us in Christ, in him, before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself. He begins to describe the riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Election, predestination, adoption, redemption. 
assurance, forgiveness of sins, inheritance, the Holy Spirit as our guarantee. What does it do to him? What does it do to Paul in chapter 1? It leads him to pray. He gets on his knees and he prays based on the truth that he is expounding. And he prays for further enlightenment, that we would understand it more fully, that we might glorify Christ. Then in chapter 2, he takes a backward look at our state, our total depravity in Adam. We were dead in trespasses and sins. And yet, God, who is rich in his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where are you right now in Christ? Paul says we're in heaven. The blessings are in heaven. Christ is there and we're in Christ. We are seated positionally in, in heaven right now. The riches of Christ. And then he goes on to talk about reconciliation in verse 11. He says, now remember, you were aliens and, and foreigners. You were without God in the world. You were without Christ. You were lost. But Jesus came, and he is our peace, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation. He has re reconciled Jew and Gentile. He's reconciled us all into the body of Christ, into the church. We are reconciled to God, and we are reconciled to one another. We have unity in Christ. Christ is our peace. Christ is the fire foundation, the cornerstone of the church. In other words, grace, redemption, the riches of Christ. Now, last week, we looked at uh, chapter 3. Paul describes his calling. He's a bondservant, or he better yet, he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. He said, for this reason, because of these truths, I'm a prisoner. And now in verse 14, he says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray to God for you. His motivation is us. Yes, I will suffer the loss of all things. And count it but rubbish, he says in another place, that, that I may win Christ and also he's concerned for you and I. But notice how he begins this prayer. He says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that first point there in the bulletin, there's three looks. There's the upward look, there's the inward look, and there's the outward look. To whom do you pray? So who do, you, who do you pray to? Well, Paul pray, prays to the Father. He's following Jesus' prayer that he taught his disciples, is he not? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so he turns to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He prays to the heavenly Father. The one who created all things, including the family. The Lord of all things. He is the identity of the family of all things. In other words, who are you? What is your identity? 
If someone were to ask you, who are you? What would you say? Well, according to Heidelberg Catechism question one that we sang, I belong to Jesus. Is that a good identity? I belong to Jesus. That's the most important identity. But what does it say further in the catechism? It says that I belong to God's people. I'm part of the family of God. I'm adopted heir. God is my father, and he's adopted me. He's placed his name upon me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm named, and what am I called to do? Taking not his name in vain, but I'm named. God identifies himself with us. That should blow your mind. The creator of everything, the sustainer of everything, the judge of all the earth, personally chooses you, if you believe in Jesus, as a child, to know you, to name you, to place his love upon you. That love is revealed through Christ, John 17, 3. Eternal life is knowing God through Jesus Christ. So not only do we have identity, we have security. If God is my Father, can anybody mess with me? If, my, if God is everywhere present, is, can anyone harm me? If I'm the apple of his eye, will God allow me anyone to poke his eye? The answer is no. Again, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He's been talking about this family. He's been describing it in different ways. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the redeemed of the Lord. But he talks about it as a family. We're part of a large family. Millions of brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you ever really alone? You're never really alone. Not only is the as Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you, but we're part of that family of God. Have you ever noticed in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus taught, how does he start? What's the first word in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father. Not my Father, our Father. All those pronouns are plural. When you pray... Jesus says you pray as a family. You pray as the people of God. We are the household of faith. Another way that is described in Galatians. And so God, ha- God is the person to whom we pray. God the Father. Do we need Jesus in order to pray to the Father? Yes. It's through Jesus that our prayers are made effective and accepted in the beloved. Is there anything that we can do apart from Jesus that's acceptable to God? But, through grace, and this is a strange one, do we receive rewards for the things we do? But it's not of merit, but it's of grace. Who gets the glory? God does. Isn't that what we're all about here? Why are you here? Why did you come to church today? Is it because you had needs to be met? Or is it because God is here in a special way? 
and that you have gathered in his presence to worship and serve him. Isn't that why we're here on earth? To glorify him. As it says at the very end, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You hear the echo? I'm already jumping ahead. Second point. What do we ask for? In the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. He doesn't, Paul doesn't really focus on that, but he does focus on our need. That, that purpose, so there in verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what he's asking for you and me. For the Ephesians, what is it that he's asking for? Number one, that he would grant you, that his grace, that he would be gracious to you according to the riches of his glory, or as he said early, the un, earlier, in the unsearchable riches of Christ, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. I've been pretty sick the past couple days to the point where I haven't been able to get out of bed for the past two days, and only by the grace of God that I'm here today. How many times did I pray for the Lord to strengthen me to get up to be able to, you know, just get by? I don't normally pray that prayer all the time, but I definitely prayed it the past couple days. Do we take for granted the strength that we have? Do you? Oh, I'm young. I can do it. Wait till you get older. I'm amazed, I'm amazed at what I used to be able to do that if I tried to do now, I would probably hurt myself in a serious way, right? What is it that we need? We need his strength. We need his grace. We need the work of the Spirit in our lives. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do nothing apart from Christ. Is that your, do you acknowledge that? Do you know that to be true? Anything I do apart from Christ is rubbish. But through Christ, I can do great things because he gets the glory. Again, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his grace, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ, secondly, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I have taken uh, umbrage at that statement. In the past, um, well, you need to invite Jesus into your heart. You ever heard that statement? You need to invite Jesus into your heart. And the joke is, well, which ventricle, the right one or the left one? What does it mean to 
that Christ dwell in our hearts by faith. He's not talking about the thing that's beating in your chest, okay? He's talking about the center of your being, who you really are. Yes, your mind is involved, your soul is involved, your heart is involved in that sense, but it's the center of your being that Christ may dwell in who you are in the center of your being. When you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes and you look around and you're evaluating and you're looking at things, you're operating from the heart, from the center of your being. What Paul prays for you is that you, that Christ, may dwell in your heart through faith. Is that a precious thing? For Jesus to dwell and be in control of your heart? If out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts and murders, adultery, thefts, these are what defile a man. Is it not what we want as Jesus to dwell there? To motivate us? To live through us? Is that what Paul said? I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Is that your statement? Being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. Is there anything he forgot? The width and the length and the breadth and the height? Is he trying to say, is he using that you may comprehend all that God, the love of God in Christ, with all the saints? That's his prayer. Is that your prayer for yourself? Lord, I want to comprehend your love. And here's the thing that I'm going to drive at, is, is that do you pray for that for your children? For those of you that have children. Do you pray for that with your brothers and sisters? You pray for your brothers and sisters, little ones, your family. How about the other brothers and sisters in the family here? Do we pray this prayer? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That you, the plant, is rooted and grounded in the love of Christ from which where you get the nutrients. You draw life from Christ. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Is that again the unsearchable riches of Christ? Is that another way of saying the same thing? I think so. Again, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Everything that God has is yours in Christ. And you belong to God, Paul says. So again, my, my concern in that, in that way is when we pray, do you pray to the Father? When you ask for, give us this day our daily bread, does it concern your relationship with Christ, with the Father, with the Son? Just like bread sustains the body, so Christ, the bread of life, sustains your soul. Do you pray for your family? 
Do you pray for the household of faith here and around the world? Do you pray uh, for that the world may come to know the Savior? Third point, verses 20 and 21. Now to him, and here's another one of those. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Did he run out of words? He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. I I think he's trying to make a point, isn't he? God can do it. Do you believe it? Oh, God can only do what I let him do. No, God is able to do beyond what you think. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So here we see the goal. The prayer is for the glory of God in the church by Jesus Christ throughout every generation. The prayer begins with the Father as foundation of the family, of the family of God, and ends with the glory in the church throughout every generation. Isn't that awesome? If you believe in Jesus, you're part of the family of God. If you believe in Jesus, you're part of the church. You're this generation. Paul is writing to generations past, but they're our family as well. His glory is revealed to them and to us. Do you find your identity, your provision, and your glory in God? That's a good question. The first part is identity. The second part is provision. The third is glory. The goal of all things is the glory of God. So here we see the effect, the impact of the riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ on the in the life of Paul. My prayer for you is that you take this and you start praying this prayer. The tendency for us is to leave this place and within five minutes forget what the sermon was about. Agree or disagree? Okay, how about 15 minutes? Oh, no? Okay, how about an hour? Ask whoever you're with an hour from after service, what was the sermon about? This is application 101. Was it doxology leads to, sorry, theology leads to doxology. My kids used to say the duck song, um, the doxology at the end of the service, the doxology. Prayer and praise is the fruit or the response to the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, we do come to you, and we thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for the revelation of your grace through the Apostle Paul here in this letter. We have been glorying in, enjoying, and encouraged by the multitude of ways that you love us the multitude of ways that you have called us to glory as the church of Jesus Christ. And we pray, O Lord, that you would 
cause this message to not be forgotten so quickly, but that we would pray this prayer, remembering the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thou kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.